Well, this is a fortune and freedom sit down special. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm joined by David Murren, global forecaster and a man who's had some considerable, you know, you've worked for JP Morgan, you've been involved in financial markets, but you're kind of looking really, I guess geopolitics is what you do now, isn't it really? And markets. And markets. Well, but one leads they, to they the over, other. They overlap. They're yeah. completely overlapping these days. Yeah. Now, like me, you know, you're very bullish of Britain. You know, I wanted us to break free from this European thing because I thought, actually, we get the chains off us. We can, you know, release not just entrepreneurial flair, but our real place in the world. And we've done a little bit of that, haven't we? I mean, I think the, the AUKUS deal with Australia. Is the beginning of that change. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and it's the beginning of that vision of returning to a global maritime hegemony or paradigm because we are a global maritime island and we were chained to the continent for a period when we lost our empire almost by default. Mm. And your catalytic action, which is exactly what it was, released our process to return to our global maritime paradigm. And what's brilliant is we're not inventing something new. We just have to remember how we did it before and subtly alter that construct and replicate it with a different set of values, obviously, which we're working with. But you were way ahead of you know, everyone else in understanding that need. Yeah, it seemed obvious to me through, through history that that's what we were. But what about here? I mean, you know, that, that's us on the world stage. What about here in this country? Because, you know, David, I'm, I'm still very bullish about our country. I relative to France and Germany and Italy, we're comparatively, I, I think, going to do... We're already there. You know, either better or not as badly, whichever <laughs> way round you want to look at it. But we don't actually have, in my view, a government that is releasing through deregulation, supply-side reform, releasing that entrepreneurial flair. Are we being held back? We haven't completed our social change because... I would describe what we went through with Brexit as a civil war between regionalization and expansion. And in a normal civil war, God forbid, when there is bloodletting and war, mm. you remove a left-brained enfranchised leadership with a right-brained creative structure, and in conflict, right-brained structures always overrun the other. At the end of it, you end up with a militarized society that can protect its resource chains and a right-brained leadership from top to bottom that's strategic in thought. So we ended up with a right-brain leadership at the top and a completely left-brain institution, the government below it, a left-brain defense organization. And so we didn't complete our change. So we are being held back, held back because th we haven't completed the transition. And if we had time with the outside forces, we could sit back and let it happen naturally. But we don't because we have pressures from opposition, shall I say, that is really antagonistically aimed towards our limitation. So when we went to this paradigm, we set ourselves irrevo irrevocably against the Chinese, who are also seeking to move into the world. Mm. And oh. as, as we are the only yeah. Western power in expansion, we can fill the vo vacuum from American decline. As we've seen, every time America's backed out of an institution of the world, we've stepped back into it. But now we face a confrontation with China, with or without America. I'll come to China in a moment, no, but just, just finish off with us. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and yes, the blob yeah. is still alive and well. You know, the civil service, yeah. the all of the different quangos, all being run by completely the wrong people, uh, with the odd exception. You know, you, they brought a brilliant woman, Kate Bingham, in to sort out the vaccine rollout. Classic example. Yeah. Of, 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 of more of what we need. Of more of what we need, absolutely. And there's too little of it. But despite that, there is still the entrepreneurial flair 
an optimism of the British people, isn't there? Well, there's more than that. I call it a national energy that's irrepressible. So systems are self-organizing. They don't go in a direction because a leader is brilliant. They actually would do it naturally and take the leader up with them. But when you have a brilliant leader, the whole lot accelerates. Mm. And China benefits from that, if I may say so. So our job is to optimize our leadership to be the best it can be. Mm. And it's far from it. We've changed direction. We need implementation with strategic thought, which is absent from our government. And we need a civil service which has been radically changed so that they can be innovative and creative yeah. and, and smaller. But we are a country. I've noticed this about 10 years ago. There's suddenly a belief in the country. There's suddenly a real passion for success. I remember growing up, you know, when it came to Ashes cricket, or it came to England football, or it came to the Olympics, or it didn't matter what it was, you know, boxing, you know, all of our heroes weren't so good. Were people who came second. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, honourable, yeah. great guys. You know, uh, Henry Cooper, Sterling Moss. These all became uh, and lovely men, by the way. But we celebrated not winning. We kind of enjoyed not winning. We used to sort of moan about it, but quite enjoy not winning. And suddenly there is this hunger, this desire to win. I mean, I, you know, I was there at the finals of the uh, European Football Championships this year, and all right, there was some yobby behaviour on the edges, but the general desire for the country to succeed, where did this all come from? So when systems go through their expansionary phase, they develop a thing called national energy, I call national energy. It's this vibrance which is about winning, not just in sport, but everywhere, and, and mm. growing, mm. and anti-entropic behavior of creation. And the clearest manifestation is sporting ambition. Mm. And so you can see it in every single team, the fact we're in the America's Cup, and going back for another go, is something we've failed to do since it was mm. conceived, shows an energy that's staggering. And that is the tip of the iceberg on top of that sporting aspiration, which is also needs to be harnessed by money. And our Olympic success was lottery money success being harnessed effectively. And even now, as the lottery is losing its ability to systematically replace the core sports, entrepreneurs are backing individuals to do well too. Which is the, more the sort of the, the, exactly. the American but, model. But or, the whole yeah. system is thriving. Yeah. And yeah. our belief yeah. in ourselves yeah. now has moved, as you quite rightly say, to embarrassed to have lost an empire to one of belief in our new global aspirations. Mm. And mm. by aspirations, and I use the word empire as an organizational structure, and you know, that th what we're really looking at now when we look at the, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything else is a new set of social values that we're seeking to create to underpin why we have the right to go and do these things. And some places we are going through the problem of collapse that America's going, but it isn't about collapse. It's about building a multicultural meritocracy that fully mobilizes our population yeah, no, to be productive. I, as I say, I, I do sense great optimism out yeah, there and great belief. And I, and I go to France, I don't see it. Right. I go to Germany, I absolutely don't see no, it. They are definitely in decline. Well, the whole of Europe's in decline. It is, yeah. And, and Europe was the empire of Germany. It sucked the last life out of the EU, mm. and it, now it's lost its advantage. Was Brexit the great escape? It was, the, it was truly the greatest escape ever <laughs> because we got away from the Titanic before it went down. Yeah. And I would argue, though, this isn't just about us. We live in a world where the, Ameri the Western super empires, I describe it, America was the last of the Western Christian empires. It's in terminal decline, mm. and therefore democracy is. And we represent to the world a re-enfranchised democracy through the fact that we went through Brexit and didn't blow ourselves up. We reaffirmed democracy and we are now the foremost Western democracy seeking to be a bulwark against the autocracies of Russia and China. Yeah, I mean, Russia, China, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, Putin has got these troops massed at the Ukrainian border. 
Um, and you know there are reasons to be concerned. Very big reasons. About Mr. Putin, but there are far bigger reasons to be concerned about China. I have written about this, I've talked about this, I'm astonished the extent to which former big business chairmen, former senior civil servants, former politicians are in the pay of the Chinese. Our politicians. Uh, yeah, well, our politicians. My family members. I went into, yes, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> um, and I, and in fact, last week's Mail on Sunday did run an article where I'd asked a question why the Prime Minister's father was once again being photographed at the Chinese embassy. But we'll leave it there. We can't afford to be sued. We haven't got time for all that. Their influence is huge. We've made ourselves economically in some areas virtually dependent upon them. How dangerous are they? Um, I believe they're implacably placed against the eradication of global democracy. And I think we are looking at the greatest organizational system of 120 years of industrialized empires rising. And how dangerous? British people are Machiavellian when faced in conflict compared to other Europeans. And as the difference between America and Britain is, they are to us. So they have a plan from 96 onwards. Their plan was to dupe the West into investing into China because we hoped if we invested, they'd become democratic and capitalistic. I, know, uh, uh, I mean, can you believe it? Uh, they duped us consciously. It wasn't just, they knew what they were doing. They've got the biggest manufacturing base. They're now turning it back against us in an arms race we're losing. And they plan to use those kinetic weapons against us. So, and, and any person that does business with China is selling their family, their principles. They are literally acting as people who worked with Germany in 1913 or yeah. 1939. But, but money does that. Yes, but what's important about the money does that process is that the rest of people not enfranchised stand up and see the covert nature. Mm. So what happened with the Chinese is they went covert after the Taiwan Straits crisis because they couldn't confront directly. And they are still operating a covert strategy with its legacies, but now they're fully overt. And we need yeah. to get rid of the people who are covertly engaged, throw them outside the walls so our immune system can start to respond. And we need to be, we need like a Hoover-like, you know, examination of every person in public life who has any connection whatsoever cannot be there unless they are come clean over what they it's, did. I think what's really interesting about this, and I'm going to talk for the UK and America, this is one of those areas, a bit like Brexit and a bit like Trump winning in 16, where the general population are miles ahead of politicians, mainstream media. You know, the London mindset doesn't really see a problem with China at all. Out in the shires, if you say to people, you know, if we gave you the option of buying goods not made in China, but they cost a bit more, would you do it? They say yes. So the the public is ready. The public the, 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 sees the in America sees the and Britain. And yeah, I think yeah. I think the issue before us is the Chinese are going to take Taiwan. And once they take Taiwan, as, because the Americans can't stop them anymore because their navy's impotent against these ship-killing missiles which the, the Chinese have developed. And which we've deployed. seen in the last couple of weeks. Exactly. Uh, and they're the, they're the ones which go around the world. So it means a destroyer coming out of Portsmouth can be hit mm. under this scenario, which is the red lightning scenario I wrote about. But where we really are is that Iron Curtain is coming down and we will not be allowed to trade with China. Now, what people don't realize is she has been collapsing the social camouflage he used to get that initial investment. He's already doing it, mm. which is why we're seeing their capitalistic system being collapsed in front of our eyes Literally. because they don't need it. Yeah. And he sees it as the last domino to make sure that our system collapses because the great thing about the pandemic is it super blew up our economies, especially America on a debt process it cannot sustain now. 
And so we face a bubble collapsing. I call it the doomsday bubble because there's no way out of it. And that stock market bubble is going to collapse in the next 12 months, I think, which is precipitously. And then we underneath have underlying inflation, which A, came through because of the initial input prices from commodities in the first surge. They will abate with demand initially, but return. But the real problem has been printing money like the empire well, of the world. And, and our supply chain is about to be stopped dead from China, where we've got all our cheap manufacturing to suppress inflation. Well, I, I, I keep telling the fortune and freedom uh, folk that you know, inflation is a disease of money caused <laughs> by government. And, and, and I, I sort of... It does. It does. Um, its drumbeat is with the is very much with the Kondratiev cycle. Mm. So when you go back to seventy five, that was the peak of the commodity yeah. cycle, yeah. and the next peak is twenty five. So we are, you know, it's a monster on top of the decline of an empire, which has made it worse by the money printing process. So we've made what was a tidal wave coming towards us even bigger. So you fear a stock market collapse? Imminently. Imminently. I think this isn't going to be gradual. This will be a dislocation of the type we haven't seen. So, you, so, so you don't think we're going to have lots of warning signals? It's no, just it's literally everyone is so polarised in one direction, there is no out when it happens. And so what ends, so this is a product of the fifth stage of decline of America. In the last stages, you build a bubble, you use a debt process to compensate for lack of real growth. Which is very much happening. And it yeah, started in 03 maybe three times. By 08, they were eight times. Now we're probably 40 times. That means 0.1 real growth means 4% of apparent growth. No one asks that question. And when you get rid of the 0.1, the whole four disappears just yeah. like that. And we're on the course for that. Cryptocurrency is fascinating. So we've got you know, India, China wanting to ban it. But actually in America, almost the wholesale adoption of it, you know, you know, the Fed now recognize it. Um, Miami uh, is going to become sort of, well, El Salvador, but I won't take that too seriously. <laughs> but you know, Miami is going to become the world's first crypto city. So you go and buy a cup of coffee in Starbucks, and you've, you know, it's, yeah. it's one ten millionth of a Bitcoin to buy a coffee or whatever it is. Um, if we start to lose confidence in money, you know, and I'm old enough to remember the seventies and what happened to people's yeah, savings. Exactly, which is exactly where we're. But going. they had nowhere to go. Yeah. They had nowhere to go. Now, if they bought good stocks after the stock market had fallen, you know, good solid companies without debt paying dividend, they would have, have, have done fine. But now people have got options, haven't they? Well, I think the crypto Is crypto a genuine option? Okay, so it's a really, lots of people ask, and I would say this, mm. crypto's manifestation is coincident with the hegemonic status of the dollar falling. And systems anticipate outcomes and start beforehand. So people know America is on the, on the wane mm. and the dollar's on the wane. So its space for the cryptocurrencies to grow has been very much that case. The issues around blockchain, I have huge questions about quantum computers and integrity over time. So I don't see this as a long-term solution. It's a space as a hegemonic currency falls. And in that, but you see, do I want a store of value that drops 50% in a month? Mm. Really not very comfortable yeah, with that yeah. one. Oh, and so it's not a store of value. <coughs> it's the wild west. It's, yeah. it's, but, and I think, you know, right now everyone got bullish at 68 on Bitcoin. Yeah. And I think actually we're going to sub 2030 before we can go to 100. Everyone's going to feel very, very uncomfortable 50% lower. So how you manage that particular asset mm. without losing your hair is a big issue. Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't quite take the same view. I think that, uh, I think it's sort of, it's, it's adoption, it's acceptance. And... The fact that people are openly, even in America, talking about it becoming the new reserve uh, because you can't print more of it. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm a bit more bullish on that. Um, I'm very bullish on sterling, though. 
I yeah. mean, sterling is going to be... It looks cheap, a, doesn't it? Well, it's going to be the safe haven currency because on the basis that it's the only country in ascension and has national energy yeah. when Europe and America doesn't, a little bit from those blocks coming into sterling is going to swamp mm. us when the time comes. A final investment thought. Gold. Um, one of the old favourites. Uh, well, it is actually... And, 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 if, and if you're right about what's around so, the so corner... So it is my favourite. I call it my precious metal strategy. <laughs> um, and I think we are going to levels that are difficult to comprehend. Because again, a little bit of a little bit of gold, just you know, there's so much currency to squeeze into that physical gold. That means silver is going to be a financial metal because you go to the next one down. Mm. Every of the precious ones. The timing is interesting. I think we are on the we're on the verge of the next breakout. With one small caveat, as a stock market traditionally drops, you go risk off. When you go risk off, the dollar has a beneficial moment, and you end up with gold and silver dropping. And we saw that. Yeah, and it's liquidation, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's liquidation. And, and so you need to be prepared to survive yes. one more down impulse. When the, when the pandemic the, it was first a, hit, gold went pute, down to sort pute. of 1,500. Or, and that, yeah, was, that yeah. was a great, you know, if you yeah, weren't long. And so it sort of fell 60 bucks just, one day. Or, yeah. So I don't think we're going to do the same, but we might do a half version of it. Because this is going to be different. This is about America being the problem and losing its hegemonic status. So the dollar isn't a safe haven. Yeah. It'll be a moment of recognition. But you'll get a sort of half similarity before it goes in the opposite Interesting. direction. Interesting. Well, that was David Murren. And uh, I have to say, you know, global forecaster, author. He's not exactly a man short of a view <laughs> and short of an opinion. <laughs> a good and, company then. And, and David, well, that's true. <laughs> we very much enjoyed having you. And on. you, Nigel. Thank you. <laughs>